We continue the third of a series of five messages on the Holy Spirit. And if you have not listened to the first two messages, I exhort you to do so. Because the first was the person of the Holy Spirit. And the second was the spiritual union within us and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this uh, message today is entitled the Holy Spirit, Spiritual Power and Presence. And you could use that word spiritual power, a spiritual function. The power and the function. And it's not focused on the outward where many focus their attention of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's focused on the inward. And so what we'll be in essence, going through is the Holy Spirit function and power in bringing about inspiration. The Holy Spirit's function and power in bringing illumination in the hearts of a sinner and believers. The Holy Spirit's power in causing regeneration or new birth for us. The Holy Spirit presence and indwelling us and sealing us and giving us, giving us a pledge. The Holy Spirit in being able to baptize each of us into the body of Christ. And finally, the Holy Spirit's filling in us because only through the filling can the Holy Spirit have control, which means we are yielded vessels. So the first concept of inspiration. Two verses, if anyone's writing, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 2 Peter 1.21, and we'll go through each one individually. And like I normally do, I study and break down each word from the Greek to the English. So there will be words focused here. It's focus directed. Because only by understanding the word through the power of the Holy Spirit can we truly understand the depth and beauty of God, and it's the only way, at least for me, I can be broken down into humble submission to see against this mighty God of mine. All scripture is inspired by God. That's what I'm going to focus on. All scripture, all entire, scripture is the word of God, in essence, the Bible, is inspired by God. This is just a statement of fact. And I'm going to work that word in the Greek word, theonustos. And the only reason to explain it, theo means God. Nustos arises from the verb no, P-N-O-E, which is breathe. And if you look at that word, P-N-E-U-M-A, that's where you get spirit, Holy Spirit. So that one word, breathe, the verb Theonustos, inspiration, and Numa, Holy Spirit. So this is God doing the action. It's God's work. Doing the action, breathing out the word of God that is written by the authors of the Bible. That's a concept of inspiration. And so that's where the word inspiration comes from. 
Now, what that verse does not do is tell us the how and means of that inspiration. I need to slow down a little because I'm so intense and passionate <laughs> and people are writing. But two aspects. We'll do that on the next slide. The how and means of that inspiration. But the key on this verse is profitable. So the whole idea is we did this for teaching, for reproof, for correction, which is discipline, and for training. And training is child training. So we need to be like little children, trained, even as I am. I still have to be trained. So we have to look at ourselves as whether we are willing to be trained, willing to be taught, willing to be disciplined because of what God has done. For training in righteousness, ultimately we live out the word through the power of the Holy Spirit to enable holy, righteous living. That's the purpose, not for education. It's the living out of the word. 2 Peter 1.21 is the means of this inspiration, the how. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, this is the key I'm going to work on, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. And when you work in the Greek, that prophecy, for no prophecy, the actual wording in the Greek, no prophecy of Scripture. So this is talking about Scripture. But the key aspect there, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Just digress a moment. I always analyze every song. And the first song sung was God is a rock, cannot be moved. But we see the movement of God here. And again, we go back in the Greek to understand this word moved, which is a participle, which is present tense and passive, which passive means we have to be moved. It's not us doing that. So when we look at that moved, it means we, but men, born along, born, B-O-R-N-E, along or carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then this word by, small little word, is hypo in the Greek. And the only reason I break it is it under. It means under. So we born along under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is directing and being the means of moving along the minds to understand and have the word of God so they write the word of God down. Amazing. See the word as you break it down? And it says, first part, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. And the reason for that is important because our human will is prone to error. So the fact that this was moved by the Holy Spirit means the concept of inerrancy. I won't go into that, but inerrancy means no error. Or put another way, absolute truth. You come back to that word, truth. Now there's a beautiful explanation of this born along or moved along by the Holy Spirit. Acts 27, 15, and 17. I haven't put it down. Anyone's writing Acts 27, 15, 17. And it says that in 14, Paul is on his journey to Rome under captivity, ultimately to 
face the leadership there. And he's on the ship and being to different ports and he come, they get, it says, a violent storm or wind, a violent wind arose. And the ship was caught in it and was not able to face the wind. The ship was caught in it and was not able to face the wind. So watch the next aspects. We gave ourselves, we gave ourselves, and we were moved along under the influence of the wind. So put another way, the way it's written in the New New American Standard, we let ourselves be driven by the wind. We let ourselves be driven. What a wonderful explanation as we look at that word. Question to each of us. Always the question, so introspection. Are we allowing ourselves to be driven along under the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we having our lives directed by the power of the Holy Spirit in living out our lives? You see, we fall short all the time, but we just have to go back to God all the time, and we have to yield, and and it's a passive yielding, submitting. Because the Holy Spirit will take us on paths of righteousness. He'll teach us truth. He teaches all about Jesus. And as that last song sung, if you want to glorify Jesus, the only way to do it is through the Holy Spirit. Because the purpose of Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit, primary purpose, glorify Jesus. Primary purpose of Jesus, glorify God the Father. So you see, we have to be under the control. So that's inspiration. Illumination, second concept. John 16, 13, 15, and 1 Corinthians 2, 12. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16. I just put one verse because it's such a long verse. But we've done both of these verses. Just the first part. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. It doesn't say he guides you into truth. He guides you into all the truth. The demonstrative article like I spoke last week which means there's only one truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ, and the truth truth is God. So the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is guiding. Remember, that ship was in the wind, in the storm, unable to defend itself, and the sailors, who were able sailors, and had to depend, they gave themselves over. They allowed themselves to be driven by the wind, the pneuma, the spirit. So, and he not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, you will speak. So he's not speaking a new revelation like I suggested, but he's speaking what Jesus had talked about, the gospel, who Jesus was, talking about the entire Old Testament, New Testament. He will speak of what has been written. So he's not bringing new revelation. That's important. Again, you're seeing his Christ-centered or Christocentric, which again, implication, a weak Christ-centered, Christocentric with a focus is Christ. He will disclose what is to come. He will glorify you. 
glorify me. He's going to glorify Jesus. So he's bringing us understanding because when he will take up mine and disclose of you, put in a simple language, he will tell all about me. And if we have a story, we read stories to children, okay? The only problem is no one likes to be called a child when they're adult, but hey, we're all children of God. So we all need to be told stories. And who's the better one to tell stories than the Holy Spirit? Our brother was uh, presented the word easy enough with, with telling a story. So there's different ways to present the Bible. But do you like to read stories or told stories? But this is a story of absolute truth that brought us salvation. Absolute truth that will take us to heaven. Absolute truth that will glorify Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And he, what does a teacher do? At least when I was growing up. I don't know about now. But we were under strict instruction then. There was no negotiation. We were afraid of the teachers because of discipline. Nothing, nothing like that nowadays. But anyway, so for us to understand, to have illumination, the concept is illumination, we've got to be taught. And the Holy Spirit is one who teaches us. In John chapter 1, it says, talking of Jesus, the light appeared and enlightened men. So Jesus brought the light and enlightened men, illumination. And when we come to salvation, the Holy Spirit, God draws, drawing to Jesus through the message each of you are supposed to share to everyone. And the Holy Spirit brings conviction, which means it brings understanding in the heart. So when I came to know Christ, I understood for the first time after many years my natural brain, despite all its intellect, could not bring me to an understanding of the Holy Spirit. I could understand Father, I could understand Son, but Spirit, no. And my wife understood very clearly, but here is a man with a brain, gifted intellect, not being arrogant, this is my gifting what I, in my work, could not understand the Holy Spirit, could not discern it, could not, I did, as a pure scientist, you come and you want to define something. Well, you can't define the Holy Spirit. And when that understanding came in my heart, it became clear as crystal. Clear as crystal. So it brings understanding. And for believers, the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual knowledge, gives you spiritual understanding. And the application of that knowledge and understanding is spiritual wisdom means how we're living out our lives. So the light is no more outside. The light is inside. So the beauty, how God did this gift of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to teach me. If I'm a child of God, the Holy Spirit will convict me. And then God has given me a conscience, which, like I said, is, is too detailed to talk about here. And that conscience will tell me, accuse me, or excuse me. And that conscience also, Paul is able to say, I have a clear conscience before you, as he's talking to believers, because he knows he's living out a holy, righteous life. 
So he's not under conviction by his own conscience. So when we have guilt, guilt arises from the conscience. The conscience gives us direction, encourages us not to do that, to do that. But when we actually do wrong and sin, the conscience is the one that brings about guilt, shows us our error. And the Holy Spirit is influencing the conscience. To the concept of illumination. Very simple. Now we've received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who's from God, so that we may know the things freely given to God, uh, to us by God. So no one is a believer can complain they do not know. The spirit is there to teach you if you want to be taught. The spirit taught Paul. And who are we compared to Paul? Born of the spirit and regeneration. So the third aspect we into is regeneration. Extremely important concept. Three verses. We'll do all three. First, John 3, 5. We'll do start with John 3, 3. It's not listed there. I want to keep these verses shorter so you can have. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus, recognize he's a teacher, recognize he's doing this amazing signs, and you recognize he's from God. And he's a is a leader. And Jesus, I've been accused of being direct at times, Jesus comes directly, attacks Nicodemus. Attack. He says, unless truly, truly, there's truly, truly, double, the truth, the truth. So when you have it twice, it's emphasis. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And born again is a word that people, uh, it's born of the spirit. But the word again in the Greek is anothem. Why is that important? That word's born from above. Born from above. That's that word meaning. It could be a second time, but the key understanding of that word is above. So it's not talking a second time primarily, but you have to be born from above, God-directed. And so you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And here it says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, again, verse 5, Nicodemus didn't understand that. He said, how can I go into my mother's womb a second time? He didn't understand. He was thinking physical, and Jesus was talking spiritual. And so he says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Born of the spirit. So you have to be born of the spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus when he came, John the Baptist, Jesus' first words of proclamation, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or kingdom of God. Jesus, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom of heaven means, most people, the the Greek on the kingdom is basilio. So if that's kingdom, interpretation, if you have a kingdom, you must have a king. And Jesus is the king. And so that beautiful verse in John 6.33, seek ye first his kingdom. You break that verse down, it's saying, ultimately saying, not to seek his kingdom, seek the rule of Jesus, the king, in my heart. 
Can you see? Is Jesus king in my heart or is king in my mouth? My mouth. Is Jesus king in my life where I'm living out the kingship of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live out. This is explaining now that word born again. Because most people, when you talk of born again, they, they have different understandings. This is the key verse of new birth. Uh, Titus 3.5. 3.4 I left out, but 3.4 talks about the kindness of God. And the love of our Savior. Kindness and love. Or loving kindness, and here you come us come to see mercy. I gotta watch myself, not drifting too far. He saved us. This is the concept of salvation, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, saved us. Ephesians 3:8 saved us by grace, he saved us by his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That word regeneration in the Greek means new birth. New birth. That's what born again means. New birth. And renewing is, is again of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 2 says, you don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to know what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that mind has to be renewed. So that's why we started on the first message, mind, will, and emotions. So everything is related to that mind. And like I said, the heart in the, in the, in the Bible is really working Old Testament, Genesis, New Testament, is thoughts, will, and emotions. So person and and heart are very closely interacted. So regeneration, washing of regeneration. Washing is, is bathing, bathing with water of regeneration. The work of the Holy Spirit, that's being born again. So what does regeneration look like? So 2 Corinthians 5.17, this verse everyone should know. All these verses everyone should know. And if you don't know them, you heard the message, go home and memorize them. Because a few children here, these are more adult children, and we just old children. <laughs> okay, all of us need to understand, to memorize, to read, study, meditate, and then memorize. It's got to go in here. It's got to go inward. I can't fight the battle outward. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed. Behold, new things have come. Keyword phrase, new creature. In essence, palingalesia, new creation, new nature. New character. New set of values. New family. We pray for the unity of the, this body here and believers, but 
This is, unity is ultimately dependent on the spirit, Ephesians. But this is who we are. We have a blood family, but we have a spiritual family. Because when you look at born again in Romans 1, uh, uh, Romans, is it Romans 1 uh, or John? Let's see. John one twelve one thirteen. We're not born of human will. Sorry, we're not born, uh, yeah, three things. We're not born of um, human will. We're not born of the flesh. We're not born of blood. Blood means genetic line, human will here, and the flesh means sexual uh, relationship which results in the child. We're not born, but born of God. So our birth is God and brought to salvation through the Holy Spirit. And we're born again through the work of God. That's the work of God, the medium, where, how it occurs, or it occurs through the Holy Spirit according to the will of God in James, and we're born of God by listening to the word, which is the gospel of salvation, and receiving it. So here we're this new creature, we're this new character, and we have a new nature. So the devil can't come and talk to any true believer and challenge that believer because we have to counter the devil and counter and say, look, we are a new crea- creation. We are new nature. What is our nature? Well, by regeneration, we made a child of God. Romans 8, 16. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Children of God. Romans 5, 1. We talked about that verse briefly. We have imputed righteousness. We have peace with God through ultimately Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. That's imputed righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus is imputed, given to us. So we're no longer unrighteous. We are righteous people. We're no longer people of sin and the flesh. We're people of spirit and life. And in salvation, God sanctifies us, separates us, from sin. So sin has no longer any control of us, not living in us, because the devil is not living in us. The spirit is living in us. You see this new, we are new creation. The only problem with that is us. You know why? That's our position in Christ. Romans 1, 11. Romans 12 onwards, live out that position. Practical living out holiness, righteousness, children of God. Live out the light. Let the light flow from us. Which comes back to that simple words that are so difficult. Humble submission, surrender, yielding, daily repentance, daily confession, with sorrow. We have to be this vessel that is cleansed of ourself, that is As Paul said, let ourselves be driven by the pneuma. I love that. Let ourselves be driven 
by the pneuma. So it's no longer my work. Because my work is filthy rags, so useless. But it's the work of the Spirit leading me, driving me, convicting me. And before that, on that shipwreck, said the ship couldn't stand the storm, and we gave ourselves over. <laughs> Giving ourselves here now to the Holy One. So, this is who we are. So, living out the new family, we're here to serve one another in love. Exhortation, exhortation at least uh, Ephesians 4, 12 onwards. Build up the body of Christ. Build up, serve other believers. Come to unity. So the unity, you can, we can talk about unity all the time in any church. You can't have unity unless the Holy Spirit's in control of my life. And in any church, wherever there is, there's believers and non-believers, and believers in different levels of depth and age. That's an extremely important concept to keep on driving when you're preaching the Word of God. Because at any one stage, when you're looking at all of y'all, each of us is a different level in our walk with God. So the young may be minimal or maybe more mature than a person who's, who's uh, advanced in age. So it's not about age. It's about our submission and obedience and yielding and believing. And Jesus said, come to me like little children. So when you, anyway, so this is our new nature, a new character. Live out holiness. Live out repentance. Live out godliness that people look at us. We've got plenty of flaws. I have plenty of flaws. We have all plenty of flaws. But you know, it's only by encouraging one another and spending time in the word and letting the word work in us to understand and to break us down, to come in humble submission before the Lord. Indwelling. There are several verses for the indwelling, but 8-9 is the key verse. If you want to memorize one verse for indwelling, this is the Holy Spirit's work. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. I've taught my entire life uh, in my career as a cardiologist, etc., in pure scientific research. So uh, this is my format, teaching. And you've got to break down that word, and you've got to slow down at times. Because you've got to make that word depend, de go into the depths of our inner being, so that our inner being is moved. Not what we're hearing. You know, we hear with our ears, but we listen with our heart. Since <laughs> so the in that's really important. It's good to listen, you know. So, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, this is a tremendous verse because it tells affirmation of what a true believer is. A true believer is not what we say. The true believer is the Spirit of God indwelling us. So I cannot know anyone 
and the condition of the inward heart as to the presence or absence of the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now we'll say, we'll look at each other and if you can understand the look of each other and to see, are we manifesting the righteousness and living out Christ? That's an example of a believer, an outward manifestation. But ultimately we've got to look, we have to have this absolute insurance in us that we know Christ and there's no doubt and cannot be challenged. And understand equally that as, as children of God, Holy Spirit indwelling us, we can sin. We can fall short. Only Jesus is sinless perfection. We're going to fall short. But as I was sharing that other day, 1 John 1, 7, this idea of walking in light, that as we walk in light, as we have fellowship with one another, walking in light means living out Christ, then the light gets more and more and more around us, and the darkness gets less and less. We'll never be rid of the darkness in the sense of the, because we've got the Adamic flesh, so we'll always be able to sin. But that's the whole idea of one day having glorified bodies, where we'll have sinless perfection. Just be like Jesus. So the driving force, the driving force led by the Spirit is looking at the future that we're going to have glorified bodies and we're going to be in the presence of God. So this time on earth is the preparation time of learning how to worship God when we get there. So when we get there, we have this understanding. We know how to worship. And the other reason is because of inheritance. You know, our inheritance in heaven, we're going to be judged based on our works, not for our salvation. We are saved. It's either going to be, our work's going to be wood, hay, or straw, or gold, silver, or precious minerals. And wood, hay, or straw, burnt up. So all the works we said we did, nothing. But the works we did, which is gold, silver, precious minerals, cannot be burnt up. So that will be based on our inheritance. That will define our inheritance. First Corinthians. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, for God who's worketh in thee to will and to work. So the key on that verse is we have salvation. It's not questioning our salvation, but demonstrate that working out of the salvation. You've given salvation, so demonstrate that working out by your life you live. But the beauty of that verse is God worketh in me and God worketh in you. So we have a God working in us. And watch what it says, to will and to work. That's one of my expressions. We read this word, we know this word is impacted in our brain and still we have the ability to not listen and follow our own ways at times. We are brilliant and that's the Adamic nature in us. So... Remember, Matthew, God looking at the, at the person and says, but God, I knew you. I did miracles. I did wonders. Jesus says, no, I do not know you. Depart from me. So the works we do doesn't necessarily guarantee that we are saved. It's the absolute salvation and the Holy Spirit working in us. So we look at this indwelling, there are several verses, but this is the key. 
key verse here is where does the Holy Spirit live or dwell? Valid question. This is the best explanation we can come to. 315 years, Paul praying prayer for realization that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit is in the inner man. That's the best we can come to understanding. That's the presence. But look what he says. Do we pray this prayer? God. We have to come firstly humble, broken. God, strengthen me that I may have the power of the Holy Spirit to live out your life. Because I can't do it on myself. So, Many times I hear the prayer said, we need more of the Holy Spirit. No, that good intention in that prayer, but that prayer is not correct. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs, as being said, not by me, more of us. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. So when that prayer of God, I need more of the Holy Spirit, it's in good intention, but it's inaccurate in one aspect. It's I have the Holy Spirit. So if he's not, I'm not submission and not yet letting him uh, control me, then how can I have more Holy Spirit? This is the more, the more. That's our human flesh. Baptism into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one baptism, this is again spiritual power, we are all baptized into one body with a Jew or Greeks, Demonstrating taking away actual genetic predisposition where the slaves are free, and we are all made to drink of the one spirit. So when we come to salvation and we the Holy Spirit gives us understanding, and we come to salvation and we receive Christ into our hearts. That's the process. There's faith in that because on my side, I have to believe and trust. And even faith is a gift of God. But it's my faith, ultimately the faith, where we receive Christ into our hearts based on the message of salvation. God draws, Holy Spirit convicts faith here. And we are now, at that moment, regenerated and given a new nature and become children of God. And we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. There's no delay in that process. You can't have regeneration uh, first and then faith second, because if you're regenerated, you don't need faith. You understand? And you can't have faith without regeneration, because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So it, this occurs simultaneously. Born again, new, new creation, salvation, regeneration, Faith, indwelling Holy Spirit. And at that time, we are no longer, we are baptized into the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ, which is believers throughout, identified by only one means, God knows, the presence of the indwelling Spirit. That's how God knows, identifies. So, how does our outward manifestation look? That people can look at us and 
to see our faults, but also see God living in us and working in us. We'll come to that. Holy Spirit sealing. Three verses. Ephesians, your key. Ephesians 1.13. This is actually the gospel of salvation. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay. In him is talking about uh, in, in, in Godhead. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. You see the preface to the gospel of salvation, how they describe it? The message of truth. God is truth. Jesus is truth. One of the names of spirit is spirit of truth. Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Jesus talking in John 3, 5, 3, 3, truly, truly, I say to you, truth, truth. So the whole essence of the gospel is truth. Why is that important? There is no other truth apart from the gospel. No other religion can have the concept of message of truth, the truth. The gospel of salvation. And this is, if we believers, this is what God has blessed us with. And so many people around the world do not know this God. I know many of you, as we come on prayer service on a Wednesday night, are praying for family members, children, adult children who do not know the Lord. So, for us who truly know the Lord, and there's so many millions out there do not know or believing in false gods, doesn't that exhort me on my inner being to surrender to yield, to submit, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me. See, it's a constant inward looking at myself and looking at my weaknesses and striving, not through me, but the zeal has to be there from me that I want to. But then I have to be in humble submission to this holy God and led by the Holy Spirit. You have to have that passion of living out Christ because of what is in me. Gospel, believed, there's a received, you are sealed in him. Sealed is actually in the Greek, basically, beautiful word, multiple meanings, explanations at least, links. If you think of the tomb that was when... Jesus was put in the tomb, and the Jews were concerned that the disciples might take away Jesus or steal him in the night. They came to the Roman people and leaders, and they came and put the seal on that, outside that tomb. The seal means the stamp of authority. This is the entire weight of the Roman Empire on that seal, so that anyone entering there will be going against the entirety of the Roman Empire. So in essence, it's protecting what is in there from a world standpoint. You understand? 
even though it's ill-conceived world standpoint. So that's a concept. So the seal is not placed, stamped on the outside, is not placed on, example, the law, which is written on stone on the outside. The seal is sealed on the inside. The stamp of authority, the stamp of protection, that stamp of guarantee who you are is inside, in the inner being. Wow. Can you see? Let me just read the word without spending time and meditating. Jehovah Jireh, I'm going to, as I teach, I'm on a format, but I will, as the Spirit leads, I will, I will share. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Easy to listen to that word. But as we break this word down, can you see, the Lord is providing and providing and providing and providing. And not only that, as believers, providing every day to us. And wants us only two things. John 14, 15. We did 16 and 17, but I think I talked. Jesus talking, if you love me, you will obey me. So look what obedience flows out from love. If you don't love, you're not going to obey. Or it'll be superficial obey, human obedience. <coughs> How much do we love Jesus? How much do we love God? How much do we love the Spirit living in us and God's provision? So what this word does is it exhorts you, implores you, breaks you down and says, how much more can I do for you? I've done the, I've provided the, I've given you the gift of the cross and gift of salvation and gift of Jesus. And I've given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I've given you this word, this gift of the word of God, which is breathed out by the Holy Spirit, written by, given by God. We've got Ephesians 1, 3, we've been on every spiritual blessing. I think I shared this on the first message. I always share it again. In Bible college when I was there many years ago, pastor was actually passed away now. I said, we have every spiritual blessing, but we live like spiritual paupers. But you know what? Jesus and God, if they've chosen us and called us, <laughs> we have to grow. That's why we call to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that can only occur through inside Holy Spirit. So when you talk about the ceiling, I'm going to be longer than normal. I was supposed, this was supposed to be the shortest message. <laughs> but hopefully I'm able to keep your attention because I'm not talking from my human mind. I'm just breaking down the word, so I encourage you. And like I say, I don't apologize for reading the word or taking talking a long time because all I'm doing is pouring my heart out in this word and I want this word to pour out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. So the ceiling we see is stamped. Secondly, it's a seal where it gives us, Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit bears witness, our spirit, that we children of God. It affirms that we are children of God. And it also protects us from the evil one. 
Because our battle is not flesh and blood, but spiritual forces, dark forces, world forces of darkness, and spiritual forces that even enter into kingdom of heaven. You'll say, how is that possible? That's referring back to Job. And the devil went up and said to God, that's, that's one example. So we're fighting the spiritual battle. And what the seal is saying is protection against the evil attacks. When the evil one comes and says to you, you're not a child of God. How can you do that and be a child of God? You see those spiritual attacks when we sin? But we respond that we have the righteousness of Christ in us, the imputed. We are children of God. We are children of God in Corinthians. We can call him Abba, dear father. Abba, dear father. That's how this close personal relationship is. So seal of protection, seal of provision, seal of seal marking us as a believer. The seal marks us as a believer in the eyes of God. That's all he's looking at. The blood covering and the seal. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's that same word, sealed. So we can, we did this in the first message. One of the emotions of the Holy Spirit is grief. And we grieve them, just like Jesus was deeply grieved in the Garden of Gethsemane. God was grieved when he looked in Genesis 6, 6. He looked at man and he saw the wickedness of man. And he was grieved in his heart and he said, I will destroy man. So you were sealed for the day of redemption. Remember in 1, 7, Ephesians 1, 7, it talks about we've been redeemed in him. In Christ, we've been redeemed by his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So that is a completed redemption which is first stage, which is redeemed by the blood of Christ. So we've been redeemed means set free from sin. But there is a final redemption, and that final redemption is explained here. At the moment, although we're redeemed, set free from sin, sin doesn't have any control of us, have power of us. But we can still sin. And we can still think evil, do evil. And we have sorrow from that. But this is what is talking about. There will be one day, that final day of redemption, when the sin will be taken away from us, the evil will be taken from away, the sorrow will be gone, and we'll have glorified bodies. So this is what that final day of redemption, you should all say hallelujah. I know Karen says that. I need to have Karen as the um, spokesperson or the leader of hallelujahs and praise. She might even get up and sing. Anyway. Sorry, I had to break there because there's so much intensity and depth. I've got to give you all some leeway. Uh, pledge. Second concept. Ephesians 1.14, who is given, this is talking about Holy Spirit, is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And so here is the word pledge. This word means uh, a pledge, and that pledge is being translated like a down payment for, when you put a down payment for something, you assume ownership. But the 
better understanding of that word is ownership. God, when he seals us with that Holy Spirit and is given as a pledge for an inheritance, that is God saying, ownership of you. This is God owning me. Can you imagine? Ownership. And we, his possession. And ultimately, to praise of his glory in Ephesians, one entire chapter of one talking about first God, then Jesus, then Holy Spirit, always ends up with the same similar phrase, to the praise of his glory. So our life should be praising him and glorifying him. Second Corinthians 5 gave us the spirit as a pledge, ownership, owns us. Okay, I'm just going to back up one. First Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Do you not, Paul? This is about the several do you not knows. Talking to believers. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is given to you from God, who is in you, and you're not your own? So our body is a temple or a so-called sanctuary, a holy place of God. The Holy Spirit indwells us, given to us. We're not our own. We are His. So therefore, for you have been bought with a price. There's the price. Agarazzo is taken out of the slave market of sin and put in the slave market of righteousness. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. So the Holy Spirit is given to us. The the Holy Spirit owns us. God owns us. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus lives in us, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us as a means of power. So, the last part is of spiritual power is to be filled. Two chapters. We'll probably do one. Yes, Paul praying to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. There's the inner man again. See that Paul keep on talking, he talks on strength of power, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and there's a gap. I want this focus. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with up to all the fullness of God. Can you imagine that? Filled is plurio, there's a verb, and the and uh, plurio is, and then there's pleroma. The pleroma is, a f- uh, is, the, is the actual fullness. So what Paul is praying, that we all as believers will be filled up to all the fullness of God. Wow. I mean, I've got a brain. You know, we all have brains and intellect, but this just, I cannot comprehend the magnitude of what God's teaching here, and his word is telling me. You know, we talk about the magnitude of the depth of love, height, and comprehend the height and depth and (laughs) breadth and width. But to understand the word, the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the beauty of the word of God and his provision and his direction and his teaching, that just, as I would, you know, when I, I teach word by word breakdown. Wow. 
I just wrestled with the word sometimes and just, just humbled. I just, every time I read this word, I'm humbled. It just breaks me down. Not from a bad point of view. It put me in perspective of a holy God. So I brought this verse in, and the next verse, hopefully with the last verse. And the reason I brought this, to know what is, what is this Paul praying for, filled up with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, I'm going to conclude here. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is a dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this verse has been discussed before, but be filled. Be is the exist, filled in the Greek. Filled is, we'll break this down, work in this word in Greek. <laughs> I try not to do a lot of Greek words because I want you understanding. Be filled, verb, at least, yeah, verb, present tense. Be filled today, be filled tomorrow, be filled it's a constant filling daily, not once. Second thing, passive, that's tense. The voice in the Greek is passive, means I am not doing the filling. The Holy Spirit has to fill me, which means, you come back to that word. Karen, you know the answer? What, what need I be? Submissive. See, she's got it right. So, I have to be submissive and yielded to be filled. Otherwise, there's no way the Holy Spirit can be filling me. And remember, sin, when we sin, it suppresses the power. It quenches the Holy Spirit, so it suppresses the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is there, but it's not functional. We have to confess sin before that Spirit has become functional again. That's the importance of confession of sin, looking at yourself every day. Repentance, confession. And the third thing is, that's tense, present, voice, passive, mood in the Greek, imperative, meaning that's a command. No option. We have no option. It's a command. We're under command. So the question is, am I listening and following the commandment of God? Every day. See this, walking with the Lord and be led by the Spirit and growing in Christ is not, it's not games. It's not human understanding. We can't do this through our human will and cognitive ability, no matter how smart you are or I am. Speaking, there's four participles here. So this gives you some understanding of what is being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't exclude, include everything, but four participles. And I just break the participles down. Speaking is a participle. Singing is a participle. Giving thanks is a participle. And submission in participles. Just out of interest. When you finish all these series, I'm going to ask you all these questions. <laughs> That'll be a great joy for me. <laughs> I'm going to start with the oldest, and the, then I'll work to the youngest. I might even start with the youngest, because they will remember better, maybe. Man, that's just having fun. You're just on this last verse. Singing, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. You're not singing to the Lord, but to the always giving thanks for all things. <clears throat> all things. 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay. Speaking, participle, present tense, active. Means speaking today, speaking tomorrow, active, I'm doing it. So do we know psalms and songs and spiritual songs to speak to one another? But we also speak to the Lord. So this speaking can be directional, two directions, to the Lord and to one another. So someone who's speaking all the time about the Lord means has to know about the Lord. And so be able to speak about the Lord. Singing. No one wants to allow me to sing because, I mean, I mean you're both all close your ears when I sing. But singing to the Lord. Singing is a participle. Present tense, today, active, doing, doing, doing. Giving thanks, all things, not one thing, all things. Participle, present tense, active. Us doing it. The last one is interesting. Participle, be subject to one another. That's present tense today, but the difference is passive tense. Passive. What does that mean? I have to be serving you not me directing that service in humble submission or yielding to you, your well-being. See that? That last one is subject, is passive. This means for us to serve you, <clears throat> in essence, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in serving you, put it bluntly. Because I can't serve you because my whole human nature is self-preservation. Honest. So, to serve one another, that's why it's passive. It has to be ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit in serving one another. So if we're serving one another, we have unity. We have fellowship. We have love. So that's the final aspect of filling. This, I'm not doing this slide because I'm just put it up there. We'll do this on the fifth message, which is in two weeks' time. That'll be a tough message because that'll be flesh versus spirit. Controlled by the flesh, controlled by the spirit. So when you come, be prepared. <laughs> so the fruit of the spirit, every love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Easy to say. And we're not asking God, we can say that. But before we talk that, that has to be flowing from us. And we can ask God for that. But again, look at the intention of our prayer. We can't ask for that unless we submit it and yield it. So, in conclusion, many of the time, things, prayers we make, good intentions. And we can say all these verses. But we need to come to God first. Every day, in humble submission. Yielded. Surrendered. Come to the God of our glory, our eternal Father, our Savior, our indwelling Holy Spirit. And give of ourselves every day. You know what? That I go back to that Acts 27, 15. Beautiful. No, couldn't fight the wind. Couldn't fight the storm. We gave ourselves. And let ourselves be driven along. Isn't that a beautiful thing to end on?
for the Holy Spirit. Father, we come before you and thank you. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your inward ministry through the Holy Spirit, your provision, your blessing to us. We pray, Lord God, that you'll move in the hearts of each of us, including myself, to draw us even closer to you. Bring us every day to yield to you for your power in submission, to repent of our sins because they grieve the Holy Spirit and grieve you and grieve our Lord Jesus Christ. And contrary to the character which you require. And lead us, Father. Move in our hearts this day. We thank you for the opportunity to praise you and thank you in Christ's name. You've been listening to a broadcast from Life Point Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. to see